Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Harris. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing? Pretty good, sir. Joining me is uh, Mr. Decker. How are Hi. you? I'm good. I'm good. First I'm... name's also Andrew. It is. It, it, hence hence it, the show. Yeah. It, it kind of is given away in the name. You found us. You don't pay for this kind of entertainment, folks. <laughs> no, Just you saying. wouldn't pay for this kind of entertainment. Um, but speaking of pain, yeah, about to say, but you would pay to get out of jail. That's right, right. I mean, there, I, is there is there an amount you wouldn't pay to get out of jail? Um, well, if I just didn't have the money, I mean, sure, but like, I think I would do. I mean, we we go into the jail pretty frequently. I'm going later today into numerous jails. Yes, right, all over the state, and I. I don't know. I think I would do anything and everything to, to get the money together to get out. Some some of those some of those individuals in there, uh, my heart breaks for them. Yeah, and especially when um, they're there on something minor and they do, they can't make a five hundred dollar bond. Yeah, and a bondsman's not going to mess with it. Um, or or that they're on something very serious and the bond is high enough that their family can't come up with the money or they've got to make a decision. Do we pay a bond or pay an attorney? Yeah, that's a, we get those calls a lot. You know, we do. Who, what, who do I, what, who do I pay first? The, it's kind of a catch 22. Cause like, you know, if you hire an attorney, that attorney may be able to file a motion to reduce the bond. Um, but, but they still may not be able to make that amount after it's Correct. reduced. Right. Right. So it's kind of a, Kind of a tough. And the judge does not have to reduce a bond. No, no, it's totally discretionary. Um, so if you're playing along at home, we are talking today about bonds, bail bonds, conditions of bond. We'll be kind of really going to talk about the conditions, not about the cost. It'll be the it'll be the well, conditions. Yeah, yeah, that that seems. I think in my experience to be the more more controversial aspect of bonds is, is the conditions that are attached to it. But this is found in Chapter 17, or excuse me, Article. 17 of the code of criminal procedure get it right mr harith i know i know um it's one of those days you ever feel like uh you know it's just kind of like brain fog a little bit yeah when you came in my office i said i'm not i need some advice on how to stay motivated yeah i didn't have any <laughs> and, you, and you gave me no advice so yeah. we started setting up and it took us a while to get started so so bear with us we're getting started we're waking up even though it's middle of the day um uh I think it's I think it's just kind of like a a springtime, maybe a little bit of burnout. I'm not real sure, but you know, like Rusty Duncan always comes around. I think at the perfect time, it gives us an opportunity to get together with other defense attorneys and commiserate and listen to a lot of really good. Inspiring That's just speakers. over a month away. I know. I maybe it should be moved up a little earlier in the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to actually seeing people in person. So, oh, for sure, me too. All right, so let's get back on topic. What are we talking about? Bond conditions. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about bond conditions. Yeah. Um. And and we are in Article 17 of uh the Code of Criminal Procedure. Uh, that's where you're going to find most of this information. Um. Uh, what do you mean? bond conditions like I, I what is that even to like the layperson they'd be like what i mean you just mean the money that i have to pay right so that's that's bond condition number one right the the money you pay to either to the court or to a bondsman for you to be released um and and that's a constitutional right we have a right to a reasonable bond um in most cases 
In almost all cases. In almost all cases, uh, Lord willing, the legislature doesn't change that later this summer. But speaking of, there 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 are some pending uh, yeah. bills you just told me about, right? Right. right. Yeah. We, well, we're not going to get into those, but but seriously, if you're interested, take a look because it uh, it's pretty it, pretty scary. I think scary. from uh, from a defense attorney perspective. Right. Right. Um, but you have a right to a reasonable bond, but also the the magistrate setting the bond. Um, can set conditions for community or individual safety. So the bond is set so that the accused will report to court. Yeah. That's the point, right? The money point, the money part, right? Yeah. Right. Basically, you put up enough money that you're going to show up to court or a bondsman, you've paid them enough that the bondsman's like, I'll put a bounty on your head if you don't show up to court. Yeah. They're um, vouching for your appearance. Right. 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 So... So showing up is the main idea of the bond. But since then, uh, we've realized that people out on bond, some of them don't obey all the rules. Uh, that's I, shocking. Shocking. Um, shocking. <laughs> um, and so they've, they've set bond conditions. It's no yeah. longer just, hey, you've paid your $1,000. Go on home, and we'll see you in a few months. It's now, uh, while on bond, remember, there's no breaking the law, no, sometimes no leaving the state, sometimes no leaving the county. Um, you know, those are kind of the easy ones because it's like, yeah. hey, basically keep your nose clean and we'll see you in a few months. Well, and it, it, this is like can be intrusive to the point where a lot of our clients just call it bond probation. I mean, I, I've heard that term. I get that all the time. All the time. And then I get asked later on, why doesn't that count towards time served? Yeah. <sighs> Right. Yeah. yeah we won't even go into that. Sorry. Um, but it is, it is, it may feel like probation. It is not probation. These are conditions that the court said, Hey, you want to be free. And on the outside, you're going to have to abide by some of these rules and the term, uh, you know, protection for community safety or, or, or taking the community's uh, safety into consideration. I mean, it's just so such a broad, uh, so, such, such a broad term that, I think it just gives magistrates an excuse to really load up individuals um, charged for any number of crimes. Right. I think I think it's become almost the default. It's not even, you know, like you and I have both seen bond condition checklists where there's like A through through G or A through M or A through, yeah. you know, O. And I don't know that the magistrate, and I'm not, I'm not picking on the magistrate. They're busy. They've got, you know, sometimes dozens of people to magistrate right. in, in a short time. And they go, you've been accused of, and, and they look at what you're accused of. They know nothing else. And they just go check, 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 check. And they check yeah. basically everything, everything that might possibly apply without taking into consideration anything else. Like, do they have any criminal history? Are they local? Yeah. Are they known? Well, and, and that's right. We have, uh, sometimes I've even seen it like on a DWI case, uh, first time offense, maybe the magistrate doesn't know what a blood test is, right? They don't have right, yeah. blood yeah. within 48 hours. Um, and it could come back under a 0.08, but basically we, we rail on DWI cases a lot. Um, I do anyways on this podcast, uh, but based on we'll an opinion, we'll worry rename the podcast the dwi andrew and andrew on dwis yeah um we're trying to stay away from that folks but um but basically on an opinion crime with no scientific evidence being presented to a magistrate you could have and i've seen it an interlock device ordered and a scram unit which is that ankle monitor that's continuously testing 
um, your sweat glands for the presence of alcohol. Yeah, I've only seen that once they found out that it was like both. Once it was something like over a 0.15 or it was a DWI third or something like that. But still, yeah. um, I, I've seen I've, I've seen the inter, where, I've, I've seen the interlock many times on a yeah. DWI first, no real evidence minus the the officer pulled him over and you know had a reasonable suspicion he and swerved he smelled alcohol right. red glassy eyes whatever um but it's it's happened enough to where i i basically as part of my letter of representation on one of those cases i'm just filing motions to amend bond conditions um because i i just see it i have seen it that often in some of the counties we we practice in yeah so we had we do have you know that for dwis there, there are some specifics that they can, that the magistrates can, can rule on. And in chapter 17 gets very specific too, as to um, some of the conditions for uh, cases where there's a victim, maybe even some where there's not a victim. Right. So let's get into that. Yeah. The, these are, these are the ones that while the DWI is a pain to have yeah. an interlock on your car, the conditions we're about to go into are onerous Um and partly because the alleged crime is what many people consider heinous. Right. So, yeah. so we're not talking about, you know, like, Hey, you stole, you know, $150 of stuff from Walmart and you're told, don't go back to Walmart. We're talking about assault, family violence, uh, it, child victim cases, child victim yeah. cases, sexual assault cases. Um, so some of these were, we, we, probably legitimately have a concern for the community or for the protection of any, you know, alleged victim. Yeah. In the case. Yeah. Yeah. The, not, these, these are not like driving with a suspended license, right? These are, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, these are serious cases. Um, these are, uh, you know, often we're looking at, well, at least class a misdemeanor, but third degree felony, second degree felony, um, sometimes first degree felony, depending on the child and what the allegation yeah. is. So we're not talking about cases that are just, Hey, you know, you shouldn't do that. Everybody knows drunk driving is bad. These are, if you, if you ask anyone, you know, 95% of people are going to go, yes, touching a child inappropriately is wrong and very wrong. And we, you Even know, with a, just an allegation, I'm, I'm very concerned for yeah, right. safety of certain individuals who right. may come into contact with. Well, and there's, um, you know, specifically, I mean, the, the legislature agrees, right? There's, there's this, some of these charges um, should be treated kind of uh, under, a, under a microscope. So um, 17.40 conditions related to victim or community safety. And essentially, this is just kind of the general um, uh, chapter article of the CCP that's that, that allows magistrates to take these things into consideration. So a stay away order uh, from certain addresses, known locations, um, even like red zone, um, like a red zone map, like this is where children are um, known, to, known congregate to congregate or, or encouraged to congregate. Like what? Well, like a park, a swimming right. pool, a preschool, yeah. a school, um, McDonald's that has a play area. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chick Fil A, right? I mean, uh, yeah, Chick right, right. Where, Those where are... kids are going to congregate, you have to maintain a, a distance of you know whatever feet from. Usually, those areas. it's like two hundred feet. Yeah, I've actually had a guy on bond conditions uh, for for an allegation of of uh, sexual contact with a child, and on his bond condition, they put that two hundred feet. They looked at where he lived, 
and they said you can only leave your neighborhood via this street because the other streets one goes by a park one goes by an elementary school and the other one goes by a mcdonald's so he had to be careful which way he left his home um otherwise you know and they warned him so if he went the other way he could be in violation of his bond conditions even though the one that went by the mcdonald's is the main entrance and exit uh, and the quickest way in and out of his neighborhood he had to go the other direction now this um yeah i mean it can be very onerous right and 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 because this article doesn't specifically well it doesn't limit the a magistrate from setting the conditions at all it just says they can set any reasonable condition of bond related to the safety of a victim of the alleged offense or to the safety of the community right so we're not saying like hey in this in this case these are the only things that a magistrate can do Right. A magistrate can only put a GPS monitor on you or, or only right. give you the red no. zone limitation. No, it's going to it is going to be anything and everything they can think of um, to it to ensure what they think uh, is, you know, the safety of the victim or the community. Right. Right. And, and, and just to be honest, most cases uh, that involve a child, the perpetrator and the child know each other. Right. They are they are hmm. often family or family friends. And so driving by a McDonald's probably is not going to do anything for anyone. But the magistrate has become uh, so concerned about the community safety that we aren't looking at the reality of how this case really happens and how most of them really happened. We, we, we kind of, the magistrates in really society has made it where this person is now so dangerous that they shouldn't even be able to really see children in public. Now, uh, what's interesting, I think, right, because uh, 17.41 specifically talks about where the alleged victim is a child, right? And under specific, um, you know, being charged under under specific uh, um, sections of the penal code. So chapter 21, 2502, 4325, um, it, it says, you know, Hey, we can limit your, or, um, requires a condition that the defendant not directly communicate with the alleged victim, which completely makes sense. Right. That might it? be with, with it, it, let's not make it a child. If, if I go and directly, if an accused person directly communicates with the victim, that might be witness tampering. Right. Right. So let's just not, you know, that one completely makes sense to me. Yeah. And I would, Sorry. I would, <laughs> any of my clients who are charged with this or any other crime involving another person um I, that's my one of my first pieces of advice like just don't, stop stop communicating with them right so it, continue it that, that, not that, that was me yeah it does make sense um or go near a residence kind of what we were talking about don't go where they're where they're going to be where they um where they frequent or anything like that but under subsection c the magistrate can allow the defendant supervised access to any alleged victim. Now, in any of my cases, anytime I've brought up, like if it's a stepchild or whatever is the alleged victim, uh, none of my judges have allowed that. They, no, they, but, I, but I've had ones where it was a stepchild was the alleged victim and a biological child right. was originally denied access 
and we and so I amended it so that the biological child had su- there were supervised visitation so that the the parent, to, not to the alleged victim but right. to another child or, right. or their own child to their own child yeah. so at least during this time they could see their see their their child their biological child who prior to the allegation lived in their home and and, and the biological child made no outcry of any sort and right. I said judge this this relationship is protected in the constitution. We have a constitutional right to parent. There's no allegation against this child. Can we at least do, you know, weekly supervised visitation with the biological child? Not, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and powerful argument. I think that is, um, you know, that, that is something that is definitely persuasive to me. Um, it rarely works with any on, on a lot of my cases with any of the judges I, I mostly appear in front of. Right. I actually won that one in front of some judges that are known to be pretty stiff, but uh, you know, well, I, I guess everybody go hire Mr. Decker on those cases. <laughs> <laughs> He's been more successful than me. Uh, well, uh, So, but you, some of you may be thinking, Hey, you know, uh, Andrew just brought up a good point we have a constitutional right to parent. Maybe we've gone through a divorce with the other biological spouse or, or, or parent. Mm-hmm. And we have a, another court has let, has an order in place allowing us possession um, or visitation with this individual who right. wins. The who bond wins? condition always wins. That's always, right. always assume that the criminal courts orders take precedent over the family law orders. And that is specifically laid out in subsection D of this article, 17.41 subsection D. Look at me knowing the rule even without knowing the code. Exactly, bro. Yeah, you've, you've, uh, bro, why did I? I That's don't know. Weird. That was weird. That was weird. <laughs> um, sir, exactly, sir. You've, you've handled this a, a time or two. Um, and, and, it, and it, the, the law says specifically, and I'll just read it to you. To the extent that a condition imposed under this article conflicts with an existing court order granting possession of or access to a child, the condition imposed under this article, the bond condition, yep. prevails for a period specified by the magistrate not to exceed 90 days. So you're going to have 90 days there where this, um, where this uh, condition um, you're not, you're not going to be able to, if the condition imposed says you can't have contact for at least 90 days, you're not gonna be able to have contact. Right. right. And most if, 90 days. And then you're really going to have to go back and ask for that contact. That's right. Because probably going to have a protective order entered along with the bond condition. Right. And that protective order then becomes the binding order as well. That's right. And that one can last for, for, well, up to two years, an emergency protective order. Right. And, um, and, and a lot of times if you're, uh, you know, attorneys out there, if you're going to be filing a motion to modify bond conditions, it doesn't mean anything if that protective order is still, is still in effect. So you've got to have, you got to file your waiver or withdrawal of the protective order alongside that. If it's touching on the same things that bond conditions, you know, access to or possession of the child in this case, right. Or, if you, if you, if you have a protective orders against one person and bond conditions against another person and family law issues against maybe a third party, maybe just stay home and, and play. Just video. sit tight. Right. Right. Do us all a favor. It's going to make, get an Atari 5100 that has no internet connection and play Pac-Man. Yeah. Or space game. invaders. Right. That's yeah, sure. Just th- that that's not legal advice. That's just stay out of trouble advice. 
you know, yeah, that that's probably that's part of the conversation I have with people kind of like the Jerry Maguire, help me help you. Right. Yeah. There's you if we're going to be fighting all these things, right. Or you've had all these issues, you know, let's, let's get some therapy. Let's get some counseling. Mm-hmm. Something's going on here that we just need to address and fix. And that helps us later show a prosecutor, a judge, a jury that we're taking this stuff seriously. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and so I said, you know, I, I mentioned Atari 5100, right. It's not just that I'm old, um, but it doesn't connect to the internet. Often if there's a yeah. sex crime involving, especially involving a child, they're going to deny you a lot of internet access. Yeah. M- m- like almost all, like all internet. Right. Access, in, in, actually. Unless, unless you can find a very important reason and then it's going to have conditions and they're going to be able to spy where you and, um, but, but I've had a few clients say my only video game system is connected to the internet because most of them now you don't even buy cartridges no, or yeah, discs. You, download it. You, yeah. you download it and you play multiplayer games over the internet and you've got to stop that, right? Because yeah. It's an internet hub. You can access anything on your Xbox that you can access on your smartphone or on your laptop or your desktop. There's, it, a, there's a larger conversation here too about the role that video games are playing in some of our criminally minded clients, uh, but we're not getting into that. Right, right. But, but just know that what you do to kill time may no longer be allowed in your own home with nobody else around. Right. Yeah, I mean that... These these are these are these, these are very... real bond conditions that we have seen. Oh yeah, right. But a, a, a number of times yeah. on, on any number of cases. Um, but these are these are pretty onerous. These are very intrusive uh, conditions into uh, into your life. So whenever you are charged with a crime, you know, I think a lot of our clients who maybe don't have any criminal history or any reason to to have been involved in uh, criminal justice are surprised at just how intrusive into your life uh these you know these cases can get right right and again we we understand that you know if if there's a crime against a child that's of a sexual nature we completely understand how severe that is how terrifying it is to be accused for the child that that's saying it happened for the community worried about that this man or woman would take advantage of children um, so we're not trying to downplay it. We're trying to say these are persons who've been arrested on probable cause. Nothing's been adjudicated. Right. No prosecutors reviewed the case in many of these at, at some, you know, yet. That's right. No defense attorneys looked at it. And this person is now on bond conditions that are very onerous. Well, and that and that's the reason that this is uh, is scary, because, again, the you know our show us as people and as attorneys and as podcast hosts we're not downplaying the seriousness of some of these allegations um, and recognize that there are some people who who cannot operate safely in our community by the bounds you know within the confines of of uh, the social norms that we've set as a society um, and they need these conditions right. we're not getting into that conversation right like right. recognize that this is very serious stuff that we're talking about however. These are extremely intrusive into your life. If you've been accused of a crime that has not been adjudicated, that where only a magistrate who's not an attorney, and we were talking about this earlier, not that attorneys have 
any great level of reasoning. Well, I have <laughs> but, magical powers, but it has nothing to do with me being an attorney. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, something about we we were talking about earlier about you know feel the power with, within twenty five feet is your new logo or something. Yeah, like because that, right? I got a new fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, but these have been basically just a an elected official. Um, who's thinking about the overall politics of his decisions made on these cases is reviewing a write-up by an officer who oftentimes has only talked to one person regarding the allegation and has no scientific evidence. Um, with that allegation, these conditions can be imposed and your life can be changed forever because of them. So um, that's just some of the concerns that, that we have. Um, Again, we're not going to read every article here or, or sub-article or sub-chapter of uh, 17 in the Code of Criminal Procedure, but there are some very interesting ones, right? In 17.43, the court can, uh, can assess a, a curfew. They can put an electronic monitor on your ankle. And, and Andrew, if that happens, who, who's paying for that? You are. Okay, not you as the attorney, you as the accused. The, yeah, the accused person is paying for that, and they are expensive. I mean, these these uh, electronic monitors, these GPS monitors, run about three to four hundred dollars per month. Now, Mr. Decker, if I have a client who is indigent, who has managed to make a bond on this case and has a a electronic monitor on his ankle, but just can't pay the monthly fee, you know what happens? So technically, uh, if they've been found to be indigent, then that ruling should then adjust his or her monitoring fees for the for an ankle monitor, an interlock monitor, uh, sorry, interlock monitor, a scram, whatever they're asked to use. Unfortunately, sometimes that really doesn't get heard, um, and suddenly they're they're afraid because they aren't paying. Um, but technically, they're not supposed to be able to be revoked. Their bond is not supposed to be revoked just for an inability to pay. Now, right. or just not paying the bill, right? Like at the hearing, they're supposed to make a determination on, on your ability to pay, on if these costs can be assessed as reimbursement later on. Um, but I've, I mean, a lot of my clients, not a lot, but clients in the past have been arrested for failure to pay. Well, often what I find is when they, they, they can't pay, they do one of a few things. It's not just the failure to pay. It's, right. they, it's they, also they, like they, not reporting or something. Right. They suddenly stop reporting or they, they stop using the interlock or they disconnect the scram or something like that because they're like, well, I can't pay and I don't want to know where I am. And don't, you know, and, and they in fear compound the problem. Right. Right. So I don't know that I've had any where they were they were actually completely bond revoked for inability to pay, but they do something very quickly or associated with that inability instead of calling me or calling their bondsman or calling the court and saying, or calling their bond supervisor um, and saying, yeah. hey, I don't have $300. I've got 25 bucks. That's all I've got today. And here's the, my paycheck that I got. And here's my rent. Here's my phone bill and here's my groceries. That's all I've spent. I've got $25. There you go. Yeah. 
No, that's that's exactly what they should do. Right. But I, I let's be honest, I wouldn't do that. I'd be terrified out of my mind. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think a, an inability to pay creates a lot of fear for people. There's a lot. There's a, a you know, an inability to pay means they're they may not be able to afford food or utilities or anything like that. And you know, I've been a poor college kid with a lot of credit card debt. Um, I just some days the debt collector is calling. I just wanted to like turn off my phone and just sit in a corner. Right. I mean, it it can be pretty terrifying. And, and that and that's not assuming that that debt could actually put you back in jail in the county jail. Right. right. So we have that. Oh. There's yeah. I mean, there you know, seventeen point four four um, says you can be confined to your home. We're gonna let you out of jail, but you can't leave your house. That's pretty rare. It is pretty rare. They will let you leave, I imagine, for like, you know, doctor's visits, grocery store shops and all that. But you, they, I, I have seen confinement. I mean, it, it, is, it is possible. The law allows for it. But also drug testing, you know, that's kind of a regular thing that we see. Yep. And in fact, in one county, a uh, smaller county out west that we practice in, that is, uh, the drug testing is routine, on any case, they will. And every impose... time they appear in court, the first question they ask is, uh, "Have they had any violations of the bond?" Well, judge, they took a drug test two weeks ago, and it came back positive. And, and it's an immediate. The prosecutor then stands up and says, "We asked for a bond forfeiture, and it's granted." It's I mean, granted it's, it's... on a non-drug-related case. Uh, you were, you will be on. It is like probation uh, from the get-go. The law allows for it, folks. Uh, 17441 conditions requiring an interlock device. Kind of talked about basically any DWI or alcohol offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it it is a pain and the interlock device, if it's not installed correctly or calibrated correctly, I will not ever say that it is an accurate measure of somebody's blood alcohol content or whether or not they've been drinking or not. Cause there's some funky things that will set off an interlock. And the things that it does to your car. I think there's like a, a safety issue for our clients there. It, as you're driving along, you're, you're supposed to like every 15 minutes re-blow into the, the machine. And if you're on the interstate, you know, I've, some of my clients have had their car shut off because of this. So uh, it can be kind of a safety thing, but you, the magistrate's going to fall back on the, the safety of the community. Right. Just as, just as a human, if you're on an interlock, don't get in the carpool lane at your child's elementary school early. So when the bell <laughs> rings and you have to start driving, everyone can see you blow into your interlock. I, I, when my kid was in elementary school, this lady for two or three weeks, she would get there early, park right in front of the school, and then blow. Well, it's because she's a good mom. She, she's, a, she's a good mom, but I, I was like, just come a little later or... Park a block away and walk this far and then walk back to your car. Just have a little bit of self-dignity. <laughs> Again, that's not legal advice. I, do, do you feel for this woman? I did feel for this woman. Yeah. This, is, this is back when I was a pastor. So I truly like oh, my yeah. pastoral heart was like, oh. Did you start, did you stand up on the hood of your car and like give a sermon? No. On the, on the evils of alcohol? No. Oh, okay. Maybe she needed to hear it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny when you're like, you, you see people, especially parking at the courthouse, you know, as we're leaving dockets, we'll see people um, trying to start their car with the, with the interlock. Um, 
Oh, four seventeen point four five is an interesting one. It it re- conditions requiring AIDS and HIV instruction. Right, but that's for somebody who's been basically promoting prostitution or a John. Yeah. Um, right. So if you promote prostitution or you solicit prostitutes and you get caught, uh, you end up having to go to basically STD counseling. awareness counseling. Yeah. Might not be a bad idea. It's kind of like the interlock with a DWI. Might not be a bad idea. Or, or like a drug <laughs> class for some of our younger our younger clients. You're like, you know, it, it may be a little bit silly, like drugs are bad, okay, but it's not a bad idea. Right, right, yeah. Um, okay, 17.46 covers conditions for a defendant charged with stalking. Uh, that's pretty. That's a pretty scary charge and not one that we see all that often, but we have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it, it is, uh, stalking is, is kind of a scary, a scary case. Can you imagine? Well, and what I find is, is that these are often also put on, uh, especially assault family violence where it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, not yeah. a spouse or harassment, um, or, you know, something that's stalking and harassment kind of go hand in hand. We do see them charged along the same lines. Right, right. They're, they're kind of along the same lines. Um, and it basic basically is you can't go to this person's home, place of employment, or places they frequent or within 200 feet of them. And sometimes there'll be a condition of like, or 50 feet in public. So like, if you're in a smaller town, and you both end up at Walmart, and you see them at the other end of the Walmart, you need to leave or go the other direction, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's it's kind of the, the accidental bump into you just like, hey, I got to stay away from them. Um, but I, again, where these sometimes get overzealous had a had a injured party who worked at a preschool next to the interstate my client normally commuted along that interstate oh no and he was told he had to get off the interstate like a section like a mile before go around so that he didn't violate and i actually talked to the bond supervisor and i said if he's on the interstate and you realize that he's in this zone for less than a minute, how can that possibly be a violation? Because even if she's there, yeah, what could possibly happen? And, right. she, and the bond supervisor basically said, well, it's just really too hard for us to track and keep track of that. So we're just asking him to go around to prevent any, any questions. So he added five, basically he added five minutes to his commute to protect someone from him driving on an interstate, on an interstate along with hundreds of other cars. Right. Because, because the the place of business was on the frontage road. Wow. And that, you know, people, I think in bigger cities are like, all right, what's the big deal? There's like 10 different freeways you can select to get to your destination, but. Hey, in, in little old Parker County, we've got one interstate. Well, this was in Tarrant County. It still but was still. You know, it, it was basically it went. You know, he went from a fifteen-minute commute to a twenty to twenty-five-minute commute to avoid that place of business. Off of a pretty controversial charge. I mean, stalking can be very serious um, if it's if if the allegations are in fact true. I mean, just think of some of these cases in the media of stalking. You know, but. Um, but, but oftentimes there, there is some kind of relational dispute where it could color the, the, uh, the facts a little bit, right? Like we still have clients charged with this when it truth comes out that it's not really stalking at all. 
they were trying to reconcile. It didn't work or whatever. So anyway, somebody, somebody may could be, uh, letting that let it, you know, maybe embellishing this, uh, the story a little bit. Anywho, um, moved on. Let's see. 17.47, um, conditions requiring submission of a DNA sample. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're on felony probation, odds are that you're going to have to submit a DNA sample, um, to be sent off to DPS for their, um, DNA catalog. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen one as a pretrial bond condition. Have you? No, generally I've only seen them when, uh, it was a sex crime and they asked for it under, uh, a discovery notice and, right, and it's like required a, motion, a separate motion. Right, and order, right. Right. And I've been able to fight those a few times because it was somebody who was already had provided a DNA sample. And I said, this is now just embarrassing and, and unnecessary. Owners, yeah. And had a judge go and ask the DA, is it, is it true that this person's a registered offender already? Yes. Then his numbers, his stuff's in, this, in, already the in the system. This is denied. Yeah. But most of the time I take my guy and we go get the sample. And yeah. Then you just swab the inside of your mouth. Yeah. Still sucks. It does. Okay. So 17.49 conditions for assault family violence cases. I, mean, I think about like most of my family violence cases really are, Hey, I'm, I'm calling the cops on you because we're going through a divorce and I need some leverage, right? I need some child custody leverage. I've seen that a number of times, but if you happen to be accused of family violence, you're going to get a number of conditions placed against you. And in fact, we, we mentioned it earlier. You're also going to have likely a protective order entered against you. So not only the conditions, but the protective order is going to say the same thing that the conditions do. And you better abide by both of them. Cause if you violate both of them, you're going to land back in the County jail. They're going to revoke your bond. If it's a violation of a protective order, that's a new charge class a misdemeanor. If you do that twice, that's a felony. So it's very, very serious. Right, exactly. And to, to our family law, if, if you're a family law attorney, don't encourage your client to call the police anytime there's an argument. And, and, I, and I don't say this as some, you know, saying, hey, it's okay for someone to hit on someone else. I'm saying right. when I worked as a municipal prosecutor, right, I had a husband and wife who were getting divorced. They would call on the other one, never saying there was there was harm, that there was an injury, but it was just the he pushed me, he assaulted me verbally, she, um, uh, you know, slapped me. No, it didn't hurt, but but I want a record on it, right? And yeah. they, they both had about three or four, and then both of their attorneys would ask for PIAs to get all that stuff, and I, it was basically, I think, they were trying to show that the other one shouldn't pay as much or should pay more or the kids stop that. There's definitely people that take advantage of the criminal justice system, whether that is to collect on a debt, right. Um, and, and alleging that it's actually theft of services or something, um, using, using the criminal justice system when the civil realm is the more, more appropriate place to settle this dispute. And we see it all the time in assault family violence right. type cases, you know, because on these, again, neither one of them ever accused, uh, a, um, uh, an actual injury. So there were no bond conditions, but if that judge 
in a court of record says that there's there's a family violence finding the person still what do they lose right to own a oh, firearm yeah, yeah for you yeah, know at least five years and then maybe federally for the rest of your life right and, and, and i'm not i'm not saying that someone who commits family violence should have a firearm but again not downplaying the seriousness make of it make it offense. actually real these right. were these I, I don't have any doubt that they yelled at each other and probably slapped each other yeah but when both of them would say well it never hurt don't call the cops point? Th this is this is Y'all being pissy to each other. Yeah. Sorry, that that was me being on a soapbox. Man, but Andrew, I mean, I saw family violence cases like really, we get calls on them all the time, and they are very, they're they're they can be very challenging cases for both the defense and the state because of the contentiousness that some relationships get into. Best advice, obviously, to stay away. Often, our clients don't follow that advice and you practitioners out there, you defenders, you know, exactly what we're talking about. We're just like, sometimes shake my head when I get a phone call, like, Hey, it happened again. Um, but Andrew, okay. So let's say somebody is, um, they, they, there's a motion to revoke bond that's been filed because they on a family violence case, a lot of our clients will say, whoop do you do big deal. I'm going to post another bond. Is that always what happens? Um, no, the, depending on why the motion to revoke bond has been placed the, the well, first of all, their, their bond is going to double and add $5, At assuming least. that it's not a new charge, right? Right. But if there's a new charge, you're going to have old ones going to double and add $5 and you're going to have a new one, which is probably gonna be higher because you couldn't follow the first one. Um, yeah. uh, but in, in rare cases, they can, they can withhold that bond completely and just totally deny, uh, a bond being set because 17, Point one five two says, hey, if you violated the conditions of your bond on an assault family violence case, you can be denied bail. And, and one five three is the same thing saying with a child victim. For for a child victim, right. right. So one five two and one five three really important in that context. Right. Y'all, you need to read chapter 17. Add that to the list right under chapter 42, the code of criminal 42 procedure. 42A. Oy vey. Okay. You don't even know what, what 42A. I know a, that's the most important. And it's an article. So it's been a great day for us here <laughs> at, at the podcast. Um, we'll wrap it up before we do any more damage. But seven, chapter 17, really, for a lot of your cases, if you're for these new hires, it's very important to know this, this article and, and to attack it if you think some of the conditions are unreasonable. File your motion to amend bond conditions with the magistrate or the judge if it's been filed. And then also don't forget about that emergency protective order. Yep. What do you think? I think it's good. I think you can find us on Facebook. I'm Andrew pretty sure and Andrew you can. Yeah. On Texas Criminal Defense. And you can find us on the web at TexasCrimDefense.com. That's right. Uh, and you can find us on your favorite podcast app. Which is, uh, which, yeah, for me, it's just Apple Podcasts. But, but right. we are on all of them. So Travis now, follow, now follows the show because he got a new iPad. Oh, yeah? And what we my boys found listener. out is if you type in Andrew and the first letter, space A, we're the number two podcast that pops up at that level. What's the first one? I have no idea. That's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Well, whoever that first one is, we're, we're, we're gunning for you. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad to, I'm glad to, to see that. And I am excited to hear Travis's thoughts on the show. Well, we'll, we'll see what he says. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we look forward to, uh, to putting another episode up soon, and, and hopefully you got some, some great content out of this. Yeah.